Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries pastor, Brad Myers. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. We want to provide a brief notice of what you'll see over the coming weeks here on the podcast. We're going to be breaking from our Bearing Witness series over the summer and into the fall in order to highlight some of our best past episodes. So as you're listening, you will notice there's a bit of a reference gap. We'll note things that don't quite line up with the timeline. But Lord willing, uh, we'll be back with new content in September. We hope you enjoy these episodes. Excited for another week, another podcast, um, and I am also excited for uh, not a new guest. You'd be a return guest at this point, Mike, because you have done this before. <laughs> you have One done time. this, and you were willing to say <laughs> yes again. So I, I don't know if you're gluttony for or punishment, or if you just enjoyed yourself Caught so me much. On a good day. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, in case you don't recognize his voice, this week on the podcast, I am joined by Pastor Mike Hertzler, our Body Life Pastor, which I know you've got a different definition every time I hear what that role means, Mike. But in case our listeners aren't familiar, what is body life? What is what is your role at the church? Well, I keep uh, telling you that it's everything that, <laughs> that the adult ministry I pastor know. doesn't want to do. <laughs> tends to come my way. Literally, you know, I have the privilege of uh, member care um, missions, yeah. um, mentoring couples, mentoring uh, young men. So, you know, it's a real enjoyable aspect. Mm. That's just a very quick yeah. Overview of what I do, but yeah, and obviously one aspect of that is you get the privilege of doing a lot of the premarital premarital counseling, doing some of the weddings at the church, yes. um, doing a lot of 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 mentoring of couples, you know, when they're when they're struggling in their marriages, you know, and some of those challenges that you've faced as well. Yeah, and that's true. But uh, you know, and when I come home from one of those opportunities, one of those meetings, Jeanette says, uh, "So how was your day?" And I always come in the house with. Um, Really kind of an excitement. Mm. It, it's um, something that really encourages me and strengthens me to even my own marriages as I help other couples um, take a different maybe vantage point or view of their marriage, especially in light of how the gospel impacts it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of the catalyst for our discussion on the podcast this this morning. I'm really excited to talk about how the gospel impacts our marriages. Um, and, and it's one of those things, you know, it's it's ironic as I, as I look back on Sunday that the, the plan was to continue in our Simply Jesus series. Tom was going to preach, um, you know, on the demons and, and Christ's, uh, Christ's interaction with the demons and the gospels. We were going to move forward. And you can't you can't make this stuff up. Right, because three months ago I was deciding what we were going to do. Had no idea where things were going. Tom ends up hurting his back. James James ends up in the pulpit, which we really appreciated his willingness to step up and yes. do that. Preaches on First Peter three one through seven. No, no, he didn't ask me what he wanted to, what I wanted him to preach on. And yet God's timing was so sovereign here, and He's preaching on marriage. He's preaching on roles and relationships biblically in marriage, and that's exactly what we want to talk about here a little bit on the podcast as far as how the gospel impacts our marriages. Listeners, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we started out the year by sharing about. Faith Bible Church's mission and values, and then we've started this eight-week season or session on how the gospel impacts every area of our lives. So we're talking about this morning the gospel and our marriages, and, and Mike's going to jump in on that, and I'm really excited for you to hear some of his thoughts on this subject. But but Mike, before we get to that, I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. You're 
you're you're one of the pastors that maybe has a little less visibility. You're not on the platform a tremendous amount. That's how people, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Your, your preference that way, but people still want to get to know you. Um, so so Mike, can you give us can you give us a little bit of an intro into who you are and your role at the church? What what's your one minute testimony, if you will? Uh, one minute. That was interesting to try to boil it down to. <laughs> there we go. To a minute, especially on as the old clock as I now. am. That's now we're on the clock, right? Uh, you know, I. I Grew up in a family, uh, uh, had an older sister, younger brother, mother and father who truly loved themselves, each other, and they loved their family and cared for for their family well. Um, Jeanette and I still live in the neighborhood that I grew up in, which is interesting. Um, We did move away, um, but we moved back into the neighborhood. And early on as a a boy and growing up in the neighborhood, uh, there was a good friend of mine who lived just a couple doors down. And John and I would run the neighborhood. We'd find ourselves in trouble many times in the neighborhood. <laughs> That'd be another podcast. Maybe, there we go. Maybe not. But, there we go. And, and in doing so, John and his family attended a small church here in town. And, mm. and every time those doors were open of the church, John and his family would, would go. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, any special events or special activities. So... John, uh, being the great friend that he was, invited me to come along with him just to help for him, probably. I don't want to speak for him, but to kind of take care of the boredom. <laughs> he needed somebody, a, a brother in crime at, somebody, at church. A brother yeah. in crime, exactly. So, you know, I started to go with him. Um, and w- early on, what I figured out is I didn't fit. It was mm. just a not a good fit. For those of you that may or may not know me, I, I had hair, long hair. <laughs> And so, you know, I just the, the the model of the church there, I just was out of out of place, fit out of place. But mm-hmm. I started attending youth events. Um, the youth pastor, his name was John Yuskus, took uh, an interest in me. I, th- I think at the time, now they look back, probably to keep an eye on me, keep me out of trouble. <laughs> um, I remember the lead pastor there, the preaching guy. He he called me in his office once, and he said I had two choices: you either join the military, or you're going to go to this Bible college that the church supported. <laughs> Number one, I think he wanted me out of the church. I don't know. But, but the, you know, I saw Jeanette there. And so um, and Jeanette and I started hanging out, going to youth events. Um, but but one of the things that I really want to try to make clear is that there were two women, specifically Beth Barr and Ruth Johnson. And mm-hmm. those two women saw the need of my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't look at my exterior um, and, and who I looked like on the outside, but they knew that there was a need on the inside for a changed heart. And those two women, I'm convinced to this day that they prayed, and they prayed hard to see me uh, get into the kingdom, you mm-hmm. know. And it was, it was really encouraging for me, and they're in eternity today. So I'm really thankful to the Lord for that. And then uh, Milton and Maureen Burchett, they were, they were a couple who had responsibilities in the church oversight. She took care of the finances of the books. Milton was the um, head deacon at the time. Mm-hmm. They gave me responsibilities within the church. They trusted me with some various um, activities that they felt I could handle without messing up too bad, <laughs> but kept an eye on me. So anyway, um, long story short, I made a profession of faith in 1972. Mm-hmm. I was a freshman at university, and um, I was baptized in 1972. So, mm. Great. Quite a journey. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, encouraging story, uh, I'm sure. I, I know at times it, it it's funny when you, you know, there's probably some of our listeners that have spent time investing in people that they went, I yeah, don't know what's so going to happen. You know, I don't know where that's going to go. You know, maybe yeah. I'm not connecting well with them. And a reminder of that story that you know God can use yeah. that to make. There's a lot such of aspects impact. of that testimony that we obviously won't touch on, but, <laughs> right. or have the time to. But it was really intriguing to see how the Lord worked, and especially mm. through other people. Amen. 
Amen. And then obviously post that, uh, there, there's I'm not going to say how many. There's a few years since then be, <laughs> before before you stepped on uh, in your current role as an elder and pastor at the church. Uh, how did you end up being a pastor and elder at the church? Well, I was a construction surveyor, mm-hmm. and that's how the Lord was providing for Jeanette and I and our four children. And um, at the same time, at this same church, many years had gone by, <laughs> but I was a uh, part-time youth pastor there, yeah. which shocked many people, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> it was exciting. For, for 24 years, we, we were in this church, and we did that. And I knew that the Lord was leading, and Jeanette and I were confident. We prayed about it. We spent time... Literally at, at points agonizing over it, but mm-hmm. we knew the Lord was redirecting us, directing our family, and we needed to make a move. And we weren't sure where we were going to end up, where we were going to land, and be the, the phenomenal leader that I am in our home. <laughs> we're going to talk about that here in a minute. No. Yeah, I was convinced we were going to attend every Bible teaching evangelical church in Lincoln before we made a decision. Mm-hmm. And on my last Sunday, Sunday night, where I was leading the youth group, Jeanette, And our kids were over here at Faith Bible. Um, Her nieces at the time were doing special music Sunday night. And so when they came home and I came home from church, it was, like I said, my final night um, as a part-time youth pastor. Um, I asked family at the kids specifically what they thought of of church, and um, they were able to tell me the whole message. Mm. I thought, okay, I'm excited about that for my children. So... I said, we got to try that out. So the first Sunday, the very next Sunday, we came here to Faith Bible and have been here since. <laughs> um, and, and it was fun yeah. for us because we started attending in 1994. But probably within six months, um, Jeanette and I were asked, because one of the difficulties for me was to leave what I loved, and that was mm-hmm. youth. And yeah. that was part of the struggle that the Lord and I had. But um, probably within six months, um, the elders, Pastor Tom, gave me the opportunity to start serving within the student ministries. Um, and we did. And so over the next couple of years, um, Pastor Tom and I would meet now and then, talk about student ministries. And, and he began asking me um, if I'd ever thought about full-time ministry, you know, leaving yeah. my profession and, and going full-time student ministries. You know, and he kept asking me. He kept asking me. And I finally told him, this is the truth. You can ask him. But I finally said, stop asking me. Stop it. Unless you're serious, uh, you know, don't ask me again. And obviously... He was serious. He was serious. The elders were serious. So I came on staff uh, May 1st of 1996 and started to oversee middle school, Mm -hmm. high school, and college. And I've done basically everything else at the church. Everything else in between. But avoiding the pulpit as much as possible. (laughs) There you go. I I have seen you in the pulpit once before. So it it could happen yet again. I'm still holding out for that. Don't hold out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Lastly, uh, uh, could you give could you give our listeners what's a what's a favorite verse of yours that's kind of guided your life and and why? Well, you know there are many, but I've landed on Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, hmm. and Isaiah wrote, The steadfast in mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. You know, you asked why, but it was six months into the ministry that um, Jeanette and I and our children were faced with a major trial. Yeah. You know, our, our world was really rocked by an unexpected, uh, in an unexpected way when um, I was shot during an attempted robbery. As you can imagine, that made a major impact on our lives. But the Lord gave me at that time a number of verses 
um, that were of encouragement to me. But these two verses in Isaiah seemed to become the anchor for my soul at the time. And actually, they still are today. They continue to be today because we were facing uh, overwhelming anxiety at times, um, had eight surgeries that took place during that time. And, but these verses taught me to lean hard into Christ. My s- situation, which I know was a God thing, honestly, he, he took away from me control mm. of my own life and what was going on to me physically and emotionally. Um, you know, I could either be overwhelmed by the anxiety or I could surrender um, and surrendering and trusting God's not always easy, but that's the position I found myself in. And Jeanette would remind me over and over of the promises of peace that the Lord brings to us, you know, perfect peace. peace. It was a complete, a complete and genuine peace that mm. at the time I wasn't necessarily experiencing. But through these verses, you know, the Lord used them to, to um, put my feet on a solid ground and an understanding of who he was. I could completely trust him. In verse four, you know, really says that. Mm. Um, Our trust is in the Lord, not in man. Um, So in God, I could find strength that was everlasting. Mm. And it's what I needed. And it was the anchor for my soul at that time Mm. and continues to be today. Yeah. And that that, that theme um, also kind of plays into what we're talking about this morning as far as the gospel and our marriages. I know um, you've met with, and there are a number of people that are are struggling. Marriage isn't an easy thing. For anybody that's been married for yeah. any period of time, you know it's a challenge yeah. um, at times for sure. And that anchor of our soul, that reminder of who Christ is, uh, is a foundational aspect of our marriages. So this week, we want to talk a little bit about that. We want to talk about the gospel and your marriages. And I, and I know this is a particular point of passion for you personally, Mike. Um, so listeners, we'll try and keep the podcast under an hour is what I'm going to go for on this. And we'll give it a shot um, because I really, really am excited about you speaking into this subject a little bit uh, for our listeners as well. So so we recognized last week, we talked about what the gospel is. We talked about the essence of what that message is. And then we talked about how there's current relevance in our lives today, that it's not just a past reality. It's not just a future hope, but it is a current reality for the way we live today. And so in that theme, or Mike, how does the what the Bible calls the gospel, what we defined as the good news of Jesus Christ last week, intersect with what we believe about marriage in general and our marriages specifically? And yeah, I love the question because that, that's not an easy 15-minute answer. Right? <laughs> there, you, there you go. There's so much that comes from it. But um, what I've learned and I'm continuing to learn is that the gospel, this is going to be obvious to people, but explains the most obvious and basic problem, hmm. right? I mean, that sin has separated us from God and from each other. But uh, never are we to make the mistake of thinking that the gospel is only good for evangelism, um, hmm. for conversion. Um, and I, I've wrestled with this because it seems to be a door that we we tell people to enter through to be saved, and then sometime in the future, it's a door that we exit to, <laughs> yeah. to get us into heaven. Um, and that all being true, but we miss the fact that the gospel has a sanctifying work in our life. It does yep. a sanctifying work. And by the gospel, we understand that although we're saved, we remain sinners, um, and it's through the gospel that we, we receive the power to resist sin. So in, in my opinion, accurately understanding and continually applying the gospel to our Christian life, we see that it's an endless source of grace in our lives, 
but now let's take this to our marriage. It's an yeah. endless yeah. source of grace in our marriage. And so to be able to look forward to a lifelong and what I consider a thriving marriage, we must mm. have a clear understanding of the gospel because without it, we don't see God for who he is. We don't see ourselves um, as he sees us, or, and we don't see our marriages as for what they truly are. Mm. That makes any sense? Oh yeah, I, there's so much to unpack within what I just shared. But yeah, I, I I love the way you define that. I, you know, we talked obviously last week. We talked about the gospel and our identities. You know, and you're going back to again, who does Christ see us as? You know, and that's that's yeah. part of what we talked about last week. And then this reminder, I, I I love that phrase that that the gospel is an endless source of grace in our marriages. Flesh that out a little bit. What what do you mean by that in the way we live in our marriages? Well, that's not a question that you have on my sheet here. <laughs> there we go. So, well, you know, you know us. We like to, I like to improv here a little bit. Yeah. And so, that, well, that's fun. But I think that's fun because how does it impact us? Well, if if I stop to think about the gospel, there's not a, a moment in my life throughout today that God does not extend grace to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Each breath that I take, waking up at three o'clock this morning, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. looking at the ceiling, it's um, I'm awake, and the breath I take is only by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. And then He extends that grace to me in so many ways because he, at the core of my my flesh, I'm a sinner, mm-hmm. you know. But He extends that to me each and every day. So now you walk into marriage, right? If I'm willing to embrace that grace every day, I need that grace in my life every day. It's important for me to to make it through each and every day. Um, if that's the case for myself, why would I not learn to extend that same grace to my wife mm-hmm. or to other individuals, but specifically to my wife? I'm willing to accept it. I'm willing to embrace it. But if I'm not willing to extend it, then I have to look you in the face and say, I have to look at myself and say, you do not understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. You know, those that have been forgiven much love much. You oh, know, it's amen. not amen. first vertically. You know, I mean, yeah. that's why we're talking about the gospel first. But the reality of that restored reconciliation with Christ, that grace that He's offered to us freely, unconditionally, not due to our merit at all, that vertical restoration of relationship then has a natural implication to the horizontal way we live our lives. Yeah. You know, of what what are we doing? What are our how are is, is our life with other people an overflow of the grace and the love that, he that God has poured us. into yeah. us? That's... You say it much better than I do. You're not, that's why you're in a pulpit. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I don't he just know. clarified I, everything I said. I have I the said. advantage of just getting to hear everything you say and try to synthesize it. Okay, uh, I'm going to okay. clean up everything Mike says. That's good. <laughs> okay, so let's let's get back here a little bit uh, to Scripture because I know you've got some passages you tend to go to. Where where does Scripture speak to this practically? And obviously, again, I couldn't have planned that that, that James would be in First Peter three uh, talking about this subject. But what are some passages that you that you would share? Yeah, and I was really excited. Excited though when James took on First Peter three four. So and again, like you said, there's no coincidence no. that we're here no. today, and that that uh, James found himself in First um, Peter. But the two I I want to look at today very briefly, if possible, is Genesis and Ephesians. Well, because it's fun for me to go back to Genesis because in the first two chapters of Genesis, we see that God created man and woman to live in dependence on him. Mm. And, and also what I think we miss is for the glory of God, for his glory. Mm. And then yet three chapters into the Bible, into Genesis, Adam and Eve 
have turned away from God to themselves. Yeah. Makes sense. We still yeah. do that today, especially in my marriage. I tend to do that. And yeah. Sin entered the picture, but as a direct result of that, Adam and Eve lost this extraordinary personal relationship that they'd enjoyed with God. Right. You know, this break that would affect every person to come, not just Adam and Eve, but it affects you and me and everybody since then, and specifically right. in the context of what we're discussing in um, with marriage. Marriage was affected. Mm. It, the first marriage that was affected by it was Adam and Eve, and obviously, consequently, still affects us today. So many pages later in the Bible, obviously, when we get to the book of Revelation, God has completely restored that personal relationship, mm. um, that break that had taken place because of Adam and Eve, and it was a broken relationship in the distant past. But then because sin has been removed because of what Christ has done for us, um, on the cross, God has completely restored that relationship that was lost. So there was a relationship that was broken in the past, restored because of God's amazing grace. And the question I ask myself is, well, what happened? Um, it's the gospel. Mm. The gospel is what happened. Um, so in trying to explain that, it, it's interesting because as you try to orient your marriage around the truth of Scripture, we see something amazing. Marriage was not only designed by God, it belongs to God. He's the one who created it. He wrote the manual on marriage. And so he has a unique claim over its design, over its purpose, over the goals that it has. You know, it actually exists for him more than it does for you and me. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but my heart yeah. says, my mind says it's about me. Um, and it's not first about the couple. See, God is the most important person in marriage. And we tend to miss that. I, I did for many years. Marriage is for my good, but it's first and foremost for God's glory. And then Ephesians, we, we're all familiar with Ephesians, but with marriage was designed by God from the beginning to be a picture of a relationship, a relationship between Christ and the church. You know, marriage would give a beautiful earthly picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And Paul, I, I think it's interesting, but he says that wasn't known to people for many generations. That's why he calls it in verse 32, right? A mystery. Mystery, yeah. Yeah, yeah. marriage in and of itself is a mystery. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> There's no doubt, but that's right. not, you know, what Paul was talking about. When, when he wanted to tell the Ephesians about marriage, the model that he shared was a relationship between Christ yeah. and the church. See, Paul understood very quickly and early on that God designed marriage— um, when God designed marriage, he already had Christ in the church in mind. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I love those two passages in Genesis. We, we see where it all started, where it all began. The, because of God's redemptive plan, all the way through Scripture, we see that. And it's because of the gospel yeah. that can free us to have a marriage that is reflective of the relationship that Christ has with his bride, the church. Yeah. And I love it's a it's a painful picture as you go back to Genesis three and the fall, but both Adam and Eve sin. Both Adam and Eve believe the serpent. Both Adam and Eve, you know, eat the fruit. Ultimately, God comes to them, and what's the first thing they do? They start blame shifting. Right, the first thing Adam and Eve do, like we get that hint. This is this is the the struggle now in your marriage, right? Intuitively, we're both going to start. Okay, well, you know, it's what James was talking about on Sunday, right? Yeah. You know, it's not what do I need to hear from this message. It's what does my wife need to hear, or or vice versa. You know, what does my husband need to hear? And it becomes that same struggle. Well, and I think another podcast for another time, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's intriguing to me in Genesis 1, I think it's verse 26, that God gave, before Eve was 
brought to, to man, before God brought Eve to Adam, he gave Adam a divine command, do not yeah. eat from this tree. Yeah. Well, and then you fast forward and you see Eve eating yep. of the fruit, and she hands it. She gives the fruit to Adam. So Adam was there yeah. while she was being attacked yeah. by our enemy, yeah. Satan, and he just stood by. Yeah. And he let her take that, and he took it, and he took a bite as well. So um, another time, but it's interesting that very quickly to the point you made, James made, was Adam quickly said, but God, it's this woman you gave me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is your problem, God. Not my fault. And so I think another time, another conversation it would be intriguing to talk about mm. the divine command that God gave to Adam. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously wrapping up in Ephesians 5, like you said, people are familiar, but let me just read that passage. Uh, therefore, in thirty-one five thirty-one, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church, Amen. that Christ and the church are the paradigm. Us and our wives, our marriages are a metaphor for the significance of that. Yep. Okay, so then lastly, let's get practical, Mike. What is the significance of this for the way we live in our marriages? How does this affect the way I live today? Well, your marriage, I'll pick on you and Yeah, Jenna. let's talk about me and Jenna. <laughs> let's do that on the uh, Some things I've noticed. Let me podcast. talk to you about that. <laughs> this is the way. Yeah, <laughs> your marriage, my marriage, it's what you were saying. It was set in the world and within our homes as a reminder of a picture of Christ and his relationship to the church. Um, you know, the months of preparation, uh, I just kind of stood by. I tried to help Jeanette, but I didn't do much to help <laughs> Jeanette, right? Um, but the months of preparation for the big day, the the memorable honeymoon that was coming, um, you know, these are all important, but there's something more important at stake than just a great wedding album. Mm. A bunch of pictures that you can look at the end, which are nice. Don't misunderstand me. But when a man and a woman are joined in marriage, a new and lifelong model of the relationship between Christ and the church is launched. Yeah. You know, it's launched into the world. And marriage is a portrait, yeah, of Christ and his church. God wants the world to know that he loves his people so much that he sent his son to die for our sins. And God intends Christ's love for the church and the church's love for Christ to model that love in our culture today, which is, it's lacking. Yeah. It's not yeah. there. It's not visible. And sadly, it's not visible through some of those, those of us that profess faith in Christ. Um, Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. So this is who God has designed husbands to be, who gives everything, a husband to give everything that he has for the good of his wife. Mm. You know, we, that would be a whole other topic that we could talk about. But, but bottom line, that marriage is set by God's design so that the world might see a picture of Christ and his love for the church and his love for the people. And that's a picture of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So again, bringing back that theme of if if Christ's gift to us through the gospel is an endless source of grace continual in our lives, what is this endless this is this should be the fountain of an endless source of grace in our marriages as well. Yeah. And again, we're not we're not advocating listeners for you know, abusive situations. We're not advocating for not situations that are harmful. Not or, at all. You know, I mean, that is the case. However, this this source of grace in our marriages has a power to restore relationships that are broken. You know, that is yeah. the incredible gift of the gospel, ex- especially in our marriages. You know, yeah. everywhere in life, but especially in our marriages. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked practically a little bit here, Mike. Now let's get personal. 
Okay, so what what does this look like? Could you could you give our listeners some idea of how this concept has fleshed itself out in your and Jeanette's marriage? Oh, Jeanette should be here. <laughs> there we go. Should we run it by her before we before we, we might share need it? to do that? No, there. I won't do that. But um, Jeanette and I struggle with sin. Yeah, does that surprise you? It's a shocker. <laughs> it I'll, tell, a shock. I'll tell you what. Shouldn't surprise anybody, but it underscores the fact that while Christ certainly saved us, He does not transform us instantly and completely into non-sinners. Right, right. right. That's an issue that continues to go, and it's it's a glorious process. That I know it begins at the moment that we're converted, that we that we come to faith in Christ, but it continues throughout our life on earth. Um, but it will be finished one day. When we leave this fallen world, which is exciting, but that process of change points to a glorious goal to become like Christ. Um, for us to become more like Christ, we got to reckon, reckon with the fact that we're sinners. We're forgiven, yes, but still battling the inward drive to turn away from God to ourselves, like uh, Adam and Eve did. Yeah. Yeah. It's no different. We, I can blame Adam and Eve, and we can go back there, but <laughs> right. I'm still, we would have done the same thing. I'm still so, doing the same yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So without a, a full disclosure of sin, blind self-confidence will compel us to make our marriage work in our own strength. Jeanette mm. and I have tried that. I've mm. tried that, and it doesn't work. Whatever we try to do in our own strength does not have at its goal the glory of God, and it does not get its life, from my perspective, from the gospel. Mm. What the gospel continues to teach us, Jeanette and I, that is to view any problems that we face or challenges that come into our lives. We have done that, but as, as they truly are, we look at those, but they're caused by a war that is continually being waged within our hearts. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah says in seventeen nine that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Mm. Fortunately, I don't even know the full depravity of my heart, but it's true. The war that's being waged in my heart has to be addressed. And there was a famous pastor, his name was Thomas Watson, but he wrote a book called The Doctrine of Repentance. But I love this because he said, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Mm. So here's the point I think I want to make as I ramble through this. Until we truly understand the problem, we will not savor the solution. And Mm. the solution is the gospel. Mm. And Jeanette and I have learned that the more we clearly comprehend the scope of our own sin, the awfulness of our sin, the more quickly we run to Christ, the more quickly Mm -hmm. we're reminded of the gospel and the impact the gospel can have to change our marriage and changes each of us individually. So looking first at our own sin as the root cause of the problems in our marriage, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, and it definitely doesn't come naturally. But the place to start is to look within, to look within my own heart don't be an Adam who says, but God, it's this woman you gave me. Yeah. You know, deal first with what's going on in my heart. Um, and so the hope that emerges, I think, from the power of the gospel. Um, it's exciting to me because it's the very power that raised Christ from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and do we think about that in our marriages? You know, do we, don't, do we consider the restorative, redemptive power you know, if the the gospel applied to myself to redeem the worst of sinners, you know, even Paul would say that, right, for right. each and every one of us, is the same power at work that could restore our marriages, you know, could take a marriage that's struggling yes. and help restore that, could take a marriage that is by and large okay and make it a good marriage, or take a good marriage and make it, you know, how did you put it, an, an excellent marriage, a, you know, a thriving, a thriving marriage, marriage. Yeah. you know, have we recognized that? And do we take personal ownership? I love the way that you're putting that again. 
That's this man. It's this woman. Look, God, look at them. They've got the well. Yeah, I mean, sure, they've <laughs> they've got issues, but but so do you. Well, I think you that's know? what Jeremiah is trying to tell us. He's saying, yeah. Mike, be suspicious of your own heart. Yeah, you know, look at your own heart first. Yeah. You got something stuck in your eye? Jesus addressed that, right? Yeah, yeah let's yeah. take that out before. And and that's the problem. If I learn to be suspicious of my own heart, and then recognize the what Christ has done for me through the gospel. You know, mm-hmm. and how it has changed my own life, and how it's um, been a redeeming, ongoing redeeming process of amazing grace. Then it's it's easier to consider that when I'm waking up with the worst of sinners, that worst of sinners is not the Jeanette, not the person <laughs> next to me in the bed, but it's me. It's right. back to Paul's point. So be yeah. suspicious of our own hearts. Begin there, recognizing what Christ has done for us, and will do for us if we're willing to surrender to that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen to that. All right, well, listeners, this this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just a little bit of, of some of how the gospel impacts your marriages. Um, hopefully what Mike has shared this morning has been uh, a source of encouragement to you. Just just a few reminders to consider of, of some of the high points of our conversation. You know, keep in mind what Scripture is laying out for the purpose of marriages, that you, your marriage is first and foremost about God's glory. It's about what he's doing and the picture he's painting for a lost world. And keeping that in perspective a little bit, I think, is helpful. But secondarily, also keeping in mind that the gospel is an endless source of grace for your life. And then that grace should go from internal to being extended externally and and seeing that grace applying to the life in the life of your spouse and you offering the same grace that has been offered to you uh, is is an incredible opportunity um, to, to just showcase Christ's love and what he's done through the through the gospel in our lives. Mike, any final words or final thoughts for our listeners on this subject? Anything you'd like to add to to what you've already said? Well, I love the way you summed it up because we've got to allow the scriptures. If you want a thriving marriage, not just a marriage Mm -hmm. that makes it through right till the end, um, but a thriving marriage, you need to allow the scriptures to be the foundation. Mm -hmm. It is the only reliable source of truth that we have. And we live in a culture today where truth is relative, and that is wrong. Christ said, I am the way. I am the truth. So allow the, the scriptures to be the foundation. And I love what you said, that the gospel is the fountain of life. Mm. Um, so reset your thinking and reset mm. your understanding of the gospel. And the last thing is, it's for God's glory. You know, yeah. that's the first question I love to ask couples. Did you rec- realize that your marriage is about God's glory? It's not about you. And they typically look at me like, you know, what are you talking about? But yeah. it is. So the Bible, obviously the gospel. And then um, it's about God's glory. Mm. Amen. God's plan for our marriages is good because he's good. Amen. And we can trust that. Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.